0: I'm honored to have with me right now the the best, I'm just going to cut right to the chase, the best commentator, the best expert, the best authority on the JFK assassination, Jim Eugenio. He is without peer. This is the book. This is it right here. This is the source. JFK revisited through the looking glass. We're going to go through where to, to reach Jim. But Jim, first of all, thank you so much for being with us.
1: Okay. It's my pleasure, Lionel.
0: First of all, if you could, just to make sure we get this out of the way, JFK Destiny Betrayed, JFK Revisited Through the Looking Glass. Are there significant differences between these? Should there be one that we focus on? uh, Well, there's there's three
1: major books that that I've been a part of, okay, that I've written. All right, the current one, which you just showed, that's the accompanying book to Oliver Stone's film, JFK Mm -hmm. Revisited, and then the four-hour version, JFK Destiny Betrayed. And that is like a compendium of all the information that's in those two films, plus stuff that didn't make it in the film, because we did we did 50 hours of interviews, right. all right? And with the film, the long version is only four hours. So there's a lot of stuff in there that didn't make it into the film.
0: And dare right. I say, Jim, it is the uh, interviews of the creme de la creme. Uh, yes,
1: I'm very it, proud of the, of the yeah. cast of experts, that we had in that film, which you'll never, ever see before, and I don't think you'll ever, ever see again. We had something like 30 people, okay, from every endeavor in the JFK case, and I don't think any film has ever approached that kind of roster of authorities. And the reason I don't think it'll happen again is because we had to spend a lot of money to get, <laughs> to get right. all these people. And well, it, got, you, it, it got so expensive that we went to them. Yes. It was actually cheaper to go back east and go to New Orleans and go to Dallas and fly them in than it was to fly all these people across the country in into Los Angeles.
0: My so favorite story is
1: on- you had a, a, a roster of authorities in every field. Like, for example, we had. Cyril Wecht and Henry Lee. We had uh, John Newman and Bradley Simpson on the historical side. Okay, we had uh, Brian Edwards on the ballistics, who used to be a police detective for 22 years. So I'm very proud of the of the fact that we... we and by the way, let, let me say how that happened. Rob Wilson is the producer of the film. Oliver is the director. When we started, we had a couple of story conferences. Rob Wilson calls me down to his office, all right, and he says, Jim, make a list of all the people you want to interview. And that's the way he said it, too. He didn't say make a list of the top 10 people. He didn't say make a list of 10 to 15 people. He said make a list of all the people you want to interview. A wish list. That's exactly how I felt. I go, I must be dreaming. Is this really happening? Okay, so I went home. And I made up a list of 34 people and I brought it back down to Rob and he didn't bat an eyelash. Okay, so now we didn't get everybody. We got about 29 or 30. Okay, but again, that's much more than you would get for any normal documentary. I agree. By the way, one of my
0: one of my favorite stories is Henry Lee's wife, uh, who was (laughs) anyway, that's an aside. I've I've seen every interview you've ever given to anyone at any time. So they're kind of blending together when anecdote here. Jim, let me do this. I, we, we spoke very briefly on the phone. I'm a, a trial lawyer by profession. I like to zero in on what I can prove, not what I can imagine. There are a number of aspects of this case. Why did they kill JFK? Okay, we can talk about that. Who actually killed? Who gave the orders? Okay, that's very interesting, fascinating. Uh, Discrepancies and things that were omitted uh, in the Warren report. Interesting. Uh, But what I want to talk about is forensic evidence specifically indicating a conspiracy. That is, legally, two or more Guilty people involved in a confederation, not just one person. And, you know, the, the word conspiracy is from Latin conspirare, to to breathe together. Now, the first question I have to ask you, can we start off with the premise or should we start with the premise that Lee Harvey Oswald had nothing to do with this, that the conspiracy was elsewhere? Or is he in the conspiracy Joined by others. Is he just this mindless dope? Or was he a part of something without any idea of the totality of the intricacy of the event? Which one is it?
1: On the morning of the 22nd, I don't think Oswald had any idea what was going to happen that day. All right. I, I, I really don't. All right. And um you talk about forensic evidence. All right. That's one of the things that we tried to get across in the film. OK, because this is things that this is something that all these other documentaries like on the History See, Channel.
0: But not to interrupt. And I'm terrible about that. And I, I, I've got a real problem. But just so that I understand. It is it is it is your thesis, if if you will, that he had absolutely no clue was there, went to work and all around him. These events were. Or being arranged, and he happened to be at this place, this Texas School Book Depository, un, unknown to him that there would be an assassination where this unique uh, path happened to be right theoretically in front of where he worked. And by the way, for whatever it's worth, I agree with you, but but I just want people to understand this. This guy didn't know anything. He's not a dupe. He is the dupes dupe. He knew nothing. This business about curtain rods. and the chicken sandwich. All of that stuff. BS, balderdash, bunkum, happenstance, other people. Correct?
1: That's what I think, yes. Okay,
0: good. Now, let's do this. Of the forensics, and this is what's important. We have ballistics, autopsy, pathology bullet trajectory, inspection of the head and brain, which is another story, eyewitness testimony, bullet fragments, evidence, rounds fired, rounds counted. Let me just remind people that virtually everybody who was there that day, by virtue of the historical sequencing of this, had a, had maybe a, a served in World War II. So everybody had been in the military, virtually all of them had heard uh, weapons and, and w- weapons nearby so this was a just a regular run of the bill citizenry most males at that time frame had military service so you have an expert witness lift so when somebody says i heard shots go by that would be different than today correct just by virtue yes. of the audience okay now where would you like to start off with evidence number one i called my first witness jim de Eugenio i've just explained to the jury that I'm going to not prove beyond a reasonable doubt, but I'm going to cause reasonable doubt as to you thinking that it was the lone gunman. Let's start with your favorite piece of evidence. Just to well, keep this baby
1: Okay, off. let me just preface this before we I get started. In the film, there were three keystones that I wanted to use. All right. The first keystone was the secretaries on the fourth floor. Okay, now if your audience doesn't know who or what that is, that's Victoria Adams and Sandra Stiles. Okay, and Dorothy Garner. They are on the fourth floor at the time of the assassination. Now, theoretically, according to the Warren Commission, Oswald's on the sixth floor and he has to come down to the second floor right after the assassination. Because according to the Warren Commission, this is where police officer Marion Baker and supervisor Roy Truly saw him, and he could be drinking a Coke. He might not be drinking a Coke because that story in itself changes. All right. But there's only one stairs. There's only one stairs that goes down in that building. All right. And Stiles and Adams were on those stairs. Okay. On, after the assassination, they ended up going out the front door. So, would not it be logical that they would have seen Oswald coming down those stairs? And by the way, I've been on those stairs. It's hard enough to believe that they would not have seen him. Okay, it's almost impossible to believe they would not have heard him because right. those are not the kind of modern stairs that you have in an office building that are kind of shallow, a lot of the times they're cushioned. Those are the old-style wooden, I swear to God, they're nailed together, Mm -hmm. okay? So it's almost impossible to believe that they wouldn't have heard him.
0: And And, not only would you hear the percussion and the volume of this wood, but the speed and how he didn't fall on his ass and (laughs) slip as he's speeding. Remember, he's trying to get out. He's just shot the president. He's. I think he'd be a little bit nervous. You've got to come down this thing. So they, she, they would have naturally. This is only one way down. The, they do. They have no recollection of Oswald having passed. Him. So that's right. number
1: one. Right now, the second piece of evidence that that I wanted to use was uh, John Stringer's testimony before the Assassinations Record Review Board. John Stringer was the official autopsy photographer. Of the Kennedy assassination. When they got him. Before the review board. I believe in 1996. All right. They put the pictures up. On an easel. Of what is supposed to be. Kennedy's brain. Mm -hmm. Okay. And. John Stringer. Went up to those pictures. And. He made two cogent comments. Okay. First of all, he said, this is Ansco. Ansco is a type of film. It goes, I didn't use Ansco. I used Kodak. Okay. And you see these numbers here in the bottom right corner? This means that this was done with a press pack. That's why they have numbers on them because they're in series. Because I didn't use a press pack. You know? And so Jeremy Gunn, who's the chief counsel, he says, in other words, you took the pictures by themselves. And he said, yes, I did not take them in series. All right? And so Jeremy Gunn, who's the chief counsel of the ARB, says, words of the effect, are you ready to say that you didn't take these pictures? And he says, if that's, ansco and that's a press pack i didn't take these pictures which as we say in the film leaves the question who did take the pictures and even not
0: not not to in any way interrupt i got the first part see that would be a very good one as a as a lawyer i'd say now that's a good one if the shooter isn't even he can't be the shooter if, if he's not even positioned where he was that 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 is certainly consistent with somebody else being a shooter Jim, what if somebody were to say, okay, look, Ansco, Schmansko, Kodak, doesn't mean that there wasn't a conspiracy. Maybe they botched them. The wrong pictures, I don't know. Doesn't mean that there weren't a bunch of other people or that 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 uh, Lee Harvey Oslo wasn't alone, but I'm with you on that one. There's nothing like having a witness say, I don't know what this is. So that's very good.
1: Now, can I get to the second part of what I was going to say? Please, please. The other question is, why? Okay. And so what we did in the film is we went into the whole issue of the weight of Kennedy's brain. The official weight of Kennedy's brain is 1,500 grams. Now, why is that hard to believe? Because (laughs) – that is significantly above what the average weight of a male brain is. In they, did, they did a study, I think, in Denmark or something, all right? And they had like 8,000 autopsies, all right? The average weight was, I think, about three thirteen hundred and forty grams. Now, not only is that a significant difference, but when you match up, what happened to Kennedy's brain, Yes, all the witnesses at both Parkland Hospital and Bethesda, okay, which is where the autopsy was, all right, you have witness after witness after witness after witness, I think about 11 or 12 that I used, okay, in which they all said that Kennedy's brain was missing yes. a significant amount of volume to it, okay, a part of it was blown away, you know. And when and when you have both at Parkland and at Bethesda, you know, the, Parkland was the emergency room they took him to. Bethesda was where the autopsy was at night. You know, they all say the same thing. So in other words, how in God's name could Kennedy's brain weigh above the average when, for example, okay. as we see in the Zapruder film, now, okay.
0: again, just, just not, 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 not being a jerk, but if somebody says, okay, they tampered with the findings, it doesn't mean there's that Oswald didn't do it by himself. Here's the question I have, and not to interrupt your flow with this. This is the part that gets me. When everybody talks about this, how many times do we see everybody in that emergency room, this part, parietal occipital lobe, blown off, entrance wound, blown off. This way, blown up. He's back here. Where the hell is this coming from? I know there was a magic bullet regarding back here, which we'll get to in a moment. But not only does that a magic bullet, but Oswald could shoot a bullet in f- over the car. It turns around, comes through. I haven't even mentioned the windshield yet, but comes in this way. Everybody knows by seeing this, that this is a shot coming from the front. Now, back into the left. I don't want to go through that Kevin Costner thing. I heard somebody say one time, Jim, Jim, that the reason why his head went back was the jet effect. That when you have a balloon and you let a balloon go, it flies forward. The gas comes back and it goes the opposite direction. So obviously when his head went back, it was because he was shot in the back and it makes no sense whatsoever. That's the part that gets me. Not only that, and correct me if I'm wrong, a hole in the windshield which they immediately repaired, replaced. Let me say this again. A hole of a bullet coming from the front. Oswald's in the back. I don't know about you, but I'd say, do we have that verdict for him right now? You don't even have to tell me anything more. There's a, And there was a, a, a dent or something or some indentation of something. Now, correct me. Am I wrong? Am I full of uh, beans, as we say?
1: Um, well, no. No, what you're saying is perfectly correct. You know, they're There are, and we touched on this in the film, there's something like 40 witnesses who saw a blasted out hole in the back of Kennedy's skull that night, all right? And that is strongly indicative of a bullet from the front because, you know, entrance wounds leave small holes, exit wounds leave larger holes, all right? So, and by the way, this was tried to be covered up by the House Select Committee on Assassinations, who said that there was a difference between the witnesses at Parkland versus the witnesses at Bethesda. There was no such difference when there's something like 20 at Parkland and 20 at Bethesda who all saw like a baseball sized hole right. in the back of Kennedy's skull. Now, the whole thing about the jet effect is so ridiculous yes. <laughs> because, because the, well, in that equation, the material coming out the back would have to be heavier than what's left of of Kennedy's skull and brain. Okay. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. It's not anything like that at all. Okay. All right. Uh, Now, what you just said about this hole in the back of Kennedy's skull, this is something we tried to touch on in the film because when projectiles enter a target, okay, It's usually the small, lightweight particles from the projectile stay at around the entrance point, and the larger ones, as it progresses through the target, they either are in the mid area or the back. Well, guess what? That's exactly what the x-rays reveal in the Kennedy assassination. There's all of these small dust-like particles in the front of Kennedy's skull, the larger particles are in the mid to rear area of his skull. Now, and by the way, what's so great about that evidence is that the Warren Commission's own expert, a guy named Larry Sturdivan, a ballistics authority, he's the one who said that. Okay, so in other words, by their own evidence, right. okay, then Kennedy had to have been shot by the, from the front. Now, the third piece of evidence that I wanted to use was Commission Exhibit 399, the legendary magic bullet, okay? Uh, now, Now, what we tried to show in the film, okay, and I think we succeeded in this, is that the FBI commissioned a guy named Bardwell Odom, an FBI agent in Dallas, to take the bullet back to the original witnesses, okay, at the Parkland Hospital, Uh, two guys named Tomlinson and Wright, okay? Tomlinson was a custodian. Wright was a chief of security, all right? And they submitted to the Warren Commission that Odom had shown them the bullet and that they had identified the bullet as the one, that they recovered on the day of the assassination. Well, Tink Thompson and Gary Aguilar said, you know what's so funny about this? It that Odom didn't make out a report. He didn't make out a field report of his visit with Tomlinson and Wright. Okay, isn't that suspicious? And so Gary called up the National Archives and he said, are you sure that there's no report by Odom of an interview with Tomlinson and Wright. And he said, look, we've we've done this already, and no, there is no such interview. And so Thompson said, well, why don't we talk to Bardwell Odom? All right. And so they called up Bardwell Odom, and they asked him. I said, look, did you, in the Warren Commission volumes, it says that you showed this bullet, CE-399, to Tomlinson and Wright at Parkland Hospital, and they positively identified it and Odom says, "What are you talking about? I never showed that bullet to anybody <laughs> and if I would have I certainly would have made out a report or because to protect my butt, okay, that I did such a thing, and I knew right, so if I would have shown the bullet, I certainly should have remembered it, okay, so in other words, Jagger Hoover." essentially blew away the Warren Commission with a cock and bull story that never happened to certify this whole thing about CE 399. All right. Now, one last point about CE 399. There's a receipt for this bullet, CE 399, that is made out at the White House Okay, going from the Secret Service to the FBI and then arriving at the FBI headquarters to a guy named Robert Fraser, who's the chief technician there. Okay. Now, this arrival is a little bit after 9 o'clock, maybe as late as 9.20 or 9.30. But if you look at Fraser's notes, in his notes... It says stretcher bullet arrives at 7.30. How could, if it wasn't even in Washington at 7.30, how could the stretcher? And by the way, that's where CE-399 was found, allegedly.
0: CE-3, this is the magic bullet. This is the bullet that this new witness says, oh, by the way, that was me. me. Call me wacky. I had it. I found it. I don't know what the hell I said. You know, I, I should have said, "Excuse me, just little help here." Just I found this, but instead I just dropped it off, or whatever the hell the story. I mean, I don't even understand it. It's terrible when you can't even understand why is this happening. Would you please address that as to this latest um, edition of the Magic Bullet story? Anything to that at all? Anything?
1: Well, if you want my frank opinion. Yes, <laughs> I, I believe CE three nine nine was planted. Okay, I don't. I don't believe that it did all the things that the Warren Commission. Oh no says no it no, did. no
0: stop stop for some no 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 you 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 can't even fire it through air without having some kind of a <laughs> no no but I'm saying this this last witness air whatever his name is
1: oh Landis he,
0: Landis who said Landis. I, that that was me I I I dropped it off I had it I. I I don't know what what that does do anything but here's the thing Jim you got to you got to just give me a second here I am not as gorbatov says I'm not a conspiracy theorist I'm a conspiracy analyst and hence my title this absolutely to me since I was 5 years old when I was when I was when, when I saw my mother crying that day I knew something was up I've been in it just in love with the story and I know I can't prove this, but I swear to God if you told me that somebody said, "Make sure that when we cover this up, we always throw in as many unbelievably crazy things to make people stop and say, "Wait a minute. What? Who thought of the magic bullet theory? Who who in their right mind with the greatest mind you've got access to every the FBI, the NSA, who's going to drop something off and then expect history to say, I'll be a son of a gun. Look what happened. Look how many, forget the changes in midair, but how many things it hit. Jim, why did they do that? Whose idea was that? Do we know? who? who why do this? Why not just ring bells and say, BS, you know, why? Because
1: the, the CE399, the whole theory of the magic bullet, was created by Arlen Spector. The former senator from Pennsylvania.
0: Because that that allows for the number of shots. If you don't have the right. magic bullet, if right. you don't have the magic bullet, the numbers don't they right. three shots, you have to have that
1: because so if you one commission was limited to three shots. Right. Okay. All right. And that's because there were two shells and one uh and one uh live round left in the left in the gun, and then there was this magic bullet found at parkland okay and so specter who was their guy on the ballistics did some very simple arithmetic okay we've got, <laughs> yeah, right. we've got we've got seven wounds in two people all right and we have this missed completely misfire at
0: right.
1: james tag over in commerce street so if we have to admit this misfire Okay, that leaves us with two bullets. Well, obviously, one blew off Kennedy's head. So we're still left <laughs> with the wounds to JFK's back, his throat, and in in and out of Conley twice. Now, so we well, have to find a way to do this. Now,
0: okay. I saw this one years ago. I remember one time when I first – I've never done acid, but I think – It must be like listening to Posner speak. I think it must be like that. We think, what? And the best one I heard, Jim, was somebody who said, we found out why the magic bullet works. You see, what happened was, you see, Kennedy was higher up than Conley. See, you were basing this on thinking they were the same height. So therefore, it couldn't work. But if you redo this, and basically somebody just drew a line that said, see, when Kennedy's in the back seat higher in the front car. Hello. Anyway, aside from that, but when he's lifted up, then the geometry works. Then the path works.
1: That no, because, because the bullet came too low in Kennedy's back. Okay. It's it's a, it's a pile of BS. Yes. I'm sure you're aware that Jerry Ford actually yes. changed the report.
0: No, i end and the reason why, please, the quote is why because of what?
1: Because he had to raise the bullet into the neck beca- to re- alter the trajectory.
0: No, no, but right. his motivation, his motive for the better, the betterment of society, or the betterment of uh, <laughs> what, what was the reason why? Again, what was that? He said
1: he said it was for accuracy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Like- that's like me doing it. Wait a That's like me giving a home pregnancy test. It comes out negative. I go, wait a minute, hang on. Give me the pen. I, <laughs> minute, I changed it. So anyway, now, Jim, how many? How many total bullets fired? Rounds lead? How much can you account for?
1: I would say there were at least five, probably six. Okay, six bullets were fired in Dealey Plaza that day. Okay.
0: Anything now from the grassy knoll? I remember years ago, there was this fellow, the men who killed Kennedy. So I don't know who to believe. Blakey, this one, Bugliosi. By the way, Bugliosi might be Italian for bullshitty or something because it's this guy is is amazing. But I got to tell you a quick story about, very quick story about Bugliosi, just for the heck of it. You know, a lot of people are, are questioning the fact of even the Manson story. One time I interviewed him, he came in, he wrote a book about impeaching Bush or something. And he sat down and I don't know why I said this. I don't know what went through me. I have no idea. But the first question I said is, we're here with uh, Mr. Boggiosi, Vincent Boggiosi. I said, Madsen never killed anybody. You know it and I know it. And I was just kidding. I don't know why I said this. And he came back and he said, Hitler never killed anybody either. I said, you're (laughs) comparing him to Hitler? And the next, you know, we were off. And I thought, oh, my God, what have I done? Years later, I found out, maybe I understand why he's a little touchy about the man today. I don't want to get off into that, but just just stoke that one away. But the the, the, the question is, the grassy knoll, Lucien Sarti, badge man, the frangible bullet these people who years later came back and they were there and they heard the bullets from police, any evidence of the, of the grassy Knoll shooters back there, picket fence, anything that we have on that?
1: Oh yeah. Uh, Sam Holland, who was one of the best witnesses that we had. Okay. He immediately ran over there.
0: Is that the deaf fellow?
1: Is that what?
0: There was a deaf fellow or a, Oh, there, were, there, were, there were two people. One guy was deaf, I remember from watching this. Another no, no,
1: no, was- no. You're talking about it. that's uh, that's Hoffman. Okay. okay. Sam Holland was on the bridge, okay? And he immediately looked over because he thought the noise came from that area. Mm-hmm. Okay? And he saw a puff of smoke coming up. Alright? And then he immediately ran over there with about two or three other people. And he saw these because it was raining that morning. He saw these footprints back there walking back and forth back and forth okay and somebody was smoking cigarettes okay and they put the so he immediately came to the conclusion that yeah there had to have been somebody on the ground and then of course you have bowers the guy who's operating the crane
0: mm-hmm.
1: okay uh, and he's the one who said that he thought he saw a couple of men back in that area and they might have been throwing a metal object one to the other okay. so yes there, there there is evidence that there was somebody on the uh, so-called grassy knoll yes and i believe that at least one shot came from that area it matches what? up perfectly with the zapruder film any
0: shots from the texas school book anything from there yeah
1: there there, there might have been yes because okay. the shot in kennedy's back i think came in from the rear Okay. okay, so that there had to have been one uh, that came in from that area, and I think the other place was across the street from the uh, the Texas School Book Depository, the Dow Tex building. I think that was where the third assassin was. All right, I, I think it was a triangle,
0: right? You know? Turkey shoot or whatever the particular yes. phrase is. Now, the, the the thing which which is interesting, and people have to understand this, and I. I've seen this and heard this a million times. Everybody thinks, let me stop for a second. Can you imagine if we had cell phones today? (laughs) 10,000 shots. Do you know what would happen? Nobody would believe it. The more evidence you have, the less people believe. But I can tell you, Jim, that you can have cases where you have eyewitnesses. They're in a liquor store. Somebody comes in, they shoot. Three of them didn't see it. There's this idea that with everything going on, everybody says, there is the shooter. There's the grassy knoll shooter. I remember it. it's 730-80. It doesn't work like that. People scatter. People. Uh, some people aren't talked to. Some can't be found. And, and, and jumping ahead, my favorite, my favorite, I, and, and and this doesn't prove a conspiracy per se, but when they found them, remember when they grabbed the, the gun and they got their hands? Over it, what are you doing? I mean, you have to be Quincy to understand, you know, CSI found a rifle. And they said, yep, Mauser, Mauser. And they're reading it. Again, people who had been in World War II, people who have been in the service. They know Mauser, Mauser. Yep, we found a Mauser. And I remember Walter Cronkite. Did he even mention the Mauser? And then all of a sudden. Not Remington, but Manlicker Carcano. Not exactly, you know, uh, the, the home favorite for, for usual firearms. We, did, did we just suspend disbelief to people say, wait a minute. Did anybody, is, are we the only ones who say you're covering something up? Or was it a different time then where people were just stunned by this and they just were more amenable to believing nonsense? I can't believe that
1: one. Well, first of all, you're correct. The first weapon discovered was a German Mauser. Okay. <laughs> and I think there's two or three written reports that say that it was a it, it was a Mauser. Now that and as you said earlier, the Mauser is a much more efficient right. Okay. And a, a, and if you were going to pull off something like this, you're more likely to use the Mauser this is than a you would the Mandlicker Carcano.
0: It's a carbine, isn't it? It's like it's, it's a. They 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 call it the the Italians call it the gun that never hurt anybody. I mean, it was it had a had a <laughs> right. three inch drop. Carlos Hath, didn't Carlos Hathcock, the greatest sniper of them all, say we didn't even come close. With all the time in the world, he wanted obstruction. Nobody no, could.
1: Carlos Hathcock, you correctly said, was the greatest sniper of the Vietnam era. He had something like 95 Um, confirmed kills, okay? And then he became a SWAT team instructor later on after he retired. And he had this obstacle course in Virginia where he would bring in police forces from around the country and train them, okay? And so he was asked by a friend of his, okay, and he said, Carlos – What do you think of this whole thing with Oswald and the Warren Commission and this six-second thing and three bullets, two Mm. out of three direct hits? I mean, is that – and Carlos said, Craig, I can't tell you how many times we tried it. We couldn't do it. Okay? And we did everything exactly to the book. We didn't cheat like the Warren Commission did.
0: But not only that, you watch today two guys – uh, somebody who's, who's taking the temperature, doping the scope, he's looking. You're counting the molecules of hydro. I mean, and they've got the greatest equipment anybody's ever seen, and he's got the <laughs> and he with trees in front of him, and 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 he's. I mean, it it is so preposterous. But then it gets. Then we're off and running. We're off and running. The. And by the way, if anybody who's watching this for the first time, this isn't the best part. It's like a soap opera. If put it this way, if I came up with the tippet and this, and there's Jack Ruby, Jack Ruby gets the fastest case of cancer anybody's ever seen in the world. It's the most this is the most aggressive stuff anybody's ever seen. None of it makes any sense. It was done. And guess what? Here we are, looking at the 60th anniversary, and we still don't know anything. We still, no matter what it is, and the more information you provide, the more people get confused. And I think sometimes it kind of hurts their head. And let me just say this before I forget. I saw this interview. Every time I hear this question, I want to scream. I want to take my finger, grab my uvula, pull it, and vomit on whoever tells me this through this volcanic emesis. They always say this, Jim, isn't it just hard for people to understand That somebody as insignificant as Lee Harvey Oswald took out America's prince. Do they have to ask that question? Is this some kind of a rule where you have to ask this theoretical that the reason for our incredulity is not because of the evidence, but because our prince was vanquished. And it's inconceivable that some negligible human being like Lee Harvey Oswald. How many times have you heard that one?
1: That's been going on for about the last 30 uh, years. It okay. just, you know, and uh, it's 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 really a great diversion, okay, you know, because it gets into the whole psychological thing. You know, it ignores the evidence. It yes. says, okay, you just can't swallow the fact that you a nobody at, like Oswald could kill somebody like Kennedy. Well,
0: look at you Garfield. Know? Garfield or McKinley or, you know, normally, with all due respect, when you get nuts, theoretically committing so I mean, it's, it's rare. Anyway, so here we are. And, and again, I don't want to get into the you know LBJ and Mac Wallace. That's later on the the list of suspects. How this 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 perfect you know symphony and synchrony of events happened. But I want to go back to the idea: there is no way that the evidence of other shots can be discounted, can be disproved. There is a conspiracy. I heard. Bill O'Reilly the other day with Tucker Carlson both of these guys are off the reservation I don't know what happened I don't know if they showed him pictures or what but Bill O'Reilly Mr. you know research guy you know he's a he's a regular guy and I'm just a regular guy who looked at with a straight face and said well you know Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone I mean that was it he was a nut and I'm thinking to myself how? Look, you don't have to believe every aspect of Dulles being involved in this, but there is no way. The evidence is irrefutable. Other shots from different directions immediately refute and negate the sole involvement of one shooter, whether it was Lee Harvey Oswald or anybody else. That's it. There, there's, no, I'm not making this up. That's all I can tell you. What am I missing? You must be going crazy with people. You're still talking about this. And have you, has anybody ever... Called you and say, Jim, would you come to the White House? Would you please? I think I, I think you have to speak to the American people. We have to clear this up. I mean, there's a it-
1: no. Actually, nobody's ever done that. Let me say something about Bill O'Reilly. It's oh. really funny that he would say that uh, because when he was first coming up in the business, okay, he was very skeptical about the Warren Commission. If you recall, I think what was his show, Inside Edition or something? Inside Edition, yes. Yeah. Okay. Let's go live. <laughs> well, he used to be friends with Gayton Fonzie. And Gayton Fonzie was an investigator for the House Select Committee. And Gayton was giving him all this great information, which he would talk about on his show. And then when George DeMorencheld was either murdered or committed suicide in Florida, OK, I believe in 1976 or 77, Bill O'Reilly went to investigate that in Florida. He was tipped off by Fonzie. So I don't know if, uh, you know, I don't know what O'Reilly's motivation is for switching sides. But I think it's it's it, we have to note that to try and understand where he's coming from today.
0: I am, despite what you might think, the most scrupulous. I haven't even gone into Do you think it was LBJ? Do you think? I don't know. And I don't think you've ever gone that far. You might have some suspects. You you might put it this way. There's a difference between probable cause and reasonable doubt. We have a lot of probable cause to investigate stuff. Most of these people are dead to find out, you know, everybody from Mac Wallace on down. I understand this. And then there are people who put out confusions. But the bottom line is simply this. It is preposterous for you to think or anybody to think this that there was not a conspiracy, meaning at least two people. What about years ago? Remember, the whatever happened to that story about the uh, the motorcycle officer left his microphone open and they had acoustics? Did, did they dispute that? That was this irrefutable proof of other shots?
1: Whatever well, that's, that's the reason the House Select Committee on Assassinations came to its conclusion of 95% probable conspiracy. But see, whenever you get something like that, the establishment, because they simply will not tolerate an official decision that the JFK case was a conspiracy. So there's been a continuous debate about this on technical matters. Okay. And you have to really get into the weeds to understand right. what even they're talking about. Cause it's the, the whole acoustics thing yeah, is a but, scientific, you know, welter, you know, that you- you, it takes you weeks to even understand it.
0: Jim, we have right now theoretically the number one most important, the number one most interesting, the number one most uh uh like uh, liked uh format is true crime. True crime. We got this guy, the Gilgo Beach Killer. And they found a piece of pizza and he bite into it and they got the DNA and we found, it, and there's no connection too far that you know the Golden State killer, and they love this, and they love doing di- there's, there, there's no bit of skullduggery or, or um, de- detective work too arcane for people, except JFK. That's a different story. Gravity, Newtonian physics, doesn't mean anything. It was just one of those things because you and I can't get it around our head that whatever it is. Now, w- w- Bobby Kennedy, and we haven't even got to, bo- to RFK, by the way, which is another story. But do you, and this maybe is not your expertise, but I have to ask this. I I would say, you know one of the reasons why I wouldn't vote for you, Bobby? Because you if you're this nonchalant about the people who killed your father and your uncle, I don't know if I want you to be my president. The Kennedys are like this. I don't know. Could be. What? You're spending your entire life over every bit of interstitial evidence. You're not even related. to This is their father and their uncle. How do you explain that? Where are the Kennedys in this? Where's Where's um, uh, Schlossberg, the grandson? I'm JFK's grandson. Do you have any interest in this? No. Please explain that to me. Am I missing the point? You ever met a a, more of a bunch of nonchalant people in your life than these folks? See, I think,
1: from what my information was, that they understood what had happened, okay, and in fact, um, I think seven days after the assassination, Bobby Kennedy uh, called called in a a guy, a diplomat who was going to go to Russia, okay, and they called him into his house, Jackie was there, went into the dining room table, and Bobby gave, his name was Walton, okay, and he said, I want you to give this message to Georgi Bolshikov. He's a friend of mine, okay? And I want it to go all the way up to Khrushchev, all right? And in the message, Bobby Kennedy said, we know that everybody's trying to blame this on this Oswald guy, but this was obviously a large domestic conspiracy, all right? I understand now that detente will be put on hold, because Johnson is too beholden to big business, to continue what you and my brother were doing. But I will resign as attorney general. I will then run for office, and then I will run for the presidency, and at that time we'll be able to continue what my brother started with you. So him and Jackie understood what had happened. But my information is the rest of the Kennedy family, especially Ted, did not want to get mired down in this thing because they understood right at the start that the, the whole entire mass media, the MSM was were a sucker for this Oswald story. I mean I mean you know like the day that Ruby shot Oswald, the New York Times said words of the effect that not alleged assassin but assassin. Was shot in the Dallas Police Headquarters. Now that, that that's just crazy because right. the the fact that he was shot live on national television in front of seventy five policemen doesn't that tell you something? How first of all, how the heck did he get in there? Okay, oh, yeah. and 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 second, why would he do this on national TV knowing he's going to be apprehended? Obviously, somebody wanted Oswald silenced.
0: And the story. I would have said, Jack, all you had to do was say, why? Because that son of a bitch killed him. Okay. <laughs> as opposed to, I wanted to spare Jackie a trial. Yes. He's not going to testify at it. What are you... T- what, <laughs> what? You know better than anybody about this stuff. But let yeah. me just also say, and, and and by the way, just just as... A, and and I, I, I just... We we have to do this again because you're... I don't know how you keep talking about this stuff without losing your mind. <laughs> but you know god bless oliver stone and god bless you you and you have proved what i knew all along citizen and civilian journalism alternative media are the greatest sources and god bless the internet and platforms you and your ilk your, you and you've done this almost like it's a passion You're you're probably wondering, why am I, what was it that pulled you into this? Not just mysteries, there's something about this story. Last question, what is it about this that that accounts for your unbridled, again, focus and passion? Why? What is it about this case?
1: Well, I I think America changed that day. Oh. You know, and, and I don't think it was for the better. I think it was mostly for the, war, well, all for the worst. Okay. And I, cause I, I grew up, you know, with Jack Kennedy as my president. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I remember the way America used to be. Oh yeah. Right. You know, and it's not any kind of sentimental sap, you know, to say that this was a, a better country back then, as I believe it was a better country back then. And I, and I think we've had a, a You know, a devolution Mm -hmm. ever since. I mean, let's just use one example. In 1960, 75% of the public believed what the government was saying. Mm -hmm. 1993, I think, in Kevin Phillips' book, Arrogant Capital, that figure had declined to 19%. 19%. And it's for the media, it's just as bad.
0: And imagine what those 19% look like. Imagine <laughs> what it they have, they, they, but but you know what also is very, very quickly. The world was different. Keep in mind, after World War II, the good guys and the bad guys, we were all, you know, Vito Genovese was one of the greatest patriots who said, hey, listen, I got some connections in Sicily. Right on. And then we made some connection with Vicini and Gladio whatever. But OSS became CIA. And all of a sudden, there's a lot of folks who were very, very powerful. So, and I'm not going to go into this Blakey mob stuff because I think that's a, that's a red herring and nonsense. But it was a different world then. There was a the the notion of we, we just won, we won World War II and the people in charge, the Dulles brothers and others were a sense of we're in charge and we can do anything. And if somebody gets in the way, it's a different mindset. It was a different world, but it can happen again. And this mentality is still there. And as long as you keep doing this, as long as there are people like Jim Eugenio and others, the, the message is you, you, you may not have to worry about Jim Jordan or whoever these idiots are in Congress, but you're going to have to worry about citizens who do this because of this passion. See, my dream is very simple. I want to, like, and it's been said before, I want the government to fear us as much as we fear them. My idea of a dream is to have the president look outside the window and say, I don't think they're going to like this. I don't know about this. These people are crazy. And every time somebody tries to get a little bit ahead, they're smashed. They're told, watch it. And I, I, I'm telling you, I don't want to get too far into this, but I I cannot thank you enough. I We don't. This is the book. Can we do this again because this is exhausting. Sure RF, JFK revisited. This is the book and also I'm going to put a link. Kennedys and King uh I also say just go on YouTube anything you've ever done any interview is just superb and God bless you for doing what
1: you're doing. God hey, thank bless. you so much Lionel.
0: And I'm and, and and Oliver Stone and others as well that movie I'm telling you right now, forget Citizen Kane, forget whatever it is, a great bank robbery or train robbery, you know, birth of a nation, the Godfather, that movie was transformational. And you were a part of that too by, by continuing with that. So anyway, I want to thank you, Jim, and you have honored me with your presence and just promised me one thing. Let's do it again. Can we ever talk about Bobby Kennedy? That's a great one. Would love to. You talk about forensics. Oh my yeah. god. That one just it's nothing but. Jim De Eugenio, thank you so much my friend. Thank You're you. You're welcome. Thank you thank so you. much.
1: Thank you. Bye-bye.